then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. So, how have you been, Kyle? How's the new job going? Uh, 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 I, uh, I think, I think I need a, I, I need a break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need yeah, a break it, from, it, from work there was actually, and from a lot of other things. Like my, there was actually a study done recently that showed that uh, in America, uh, within one week of coming back from vacation, the effects of the vacation are lost on the average person. Of course they are, man. Like immediately. And even if you go on vacation, like like I work a job from a desk anyway, so they'll send me shit constantly. I work remotely, which is good for the most part because I don't have to like drive into a fucking office. I don't have to spend money on gas. I just like – because when I was doing that, of course, I wanted to fucking – wanted to die in a different way but now it's like okay so they can send me anything anywhere at any time and they were doing that when i went into the office anyhow so like whatever but yeah nobody in america is going to be able to survive uh, nobody's going to take the effects of a, of a vacation with them it's, i i can't yeah. imagine that existing elsewhere I, like that that seems so foreign to me yeah it's just oh i had a, i got a nice restful vacation and now i'm juiced up and gonna work nice and hard for these next couple months mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. still is too long between vacations anyways but yeah. that's you know we don't get to live in a world where you can take a a, a week vacation every month because no that we need to make sure that uh, rich people have more money yeah we gotta make we gotta make them that that coin bro <laughs> Uh, but yeah, whatever. I, you know, the job to be quite honest, I, so I put in like 50 hours of work for the one job and then I had the other gig that was taken up probably another like seven hours ish. Um, and then, you know, I had an interview last week and it was the same vibe, same deal where it was a bunch of just a shitload of stuff coming at me a lot all at once. Um, and thankfully it's Saturday. I get to... I don't know. I'm thinking I'm just going to get stoned and go on a bike ride or something. I'm just going to not do any of that bullshit for a little bit once we yeah. once we wrap well, up here. Gonna, here. Yeah, <laughs> take a little take take your peasantly one day of and that honestly I've seen like posters like that where it's like oh yeah no, we give plenty of vacation out in America they're called weekends like that like that's legitimately an argument that's whoever made. whoever says that should. Jump in a fucking ditch, man. Yeah, yeah I've seen disgusting. stuff like that, like on social no, media. No, you know what I do on my like, fucking weekends is I clean up. I fucking do all my goddamn chores. Whatever. How are you doing this? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a little annoyed with life too, but unfortunately, I can't really go into details lest I get into myself into any legal trouble. Yeah. So, um, capitalism sucks, and the institutions that are supposed to protect you from it don't have your best interests at heart because capitalism sucks yeah <laughs> but at least there's union leaders out there getting new speedboats bought for them by their buddies who run the companies that they're friends with great stuff and that's great as stuff much as i can say i think without getting into trouble <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um not a conflict of interest there yeah anyway um yeah it's it's rough out there and it's i mean it's rougher elsewhere in the world which is really sad um, yeah <laughs> uh but yeah it's just fucked, uh, but we're still here to talk to you guys, even in dire times like these. So, oh, right, I'm Phil, and I'm Kyle, and we're the unsociablists. Um, That's us. 
Yeah. And this week will probably be a bit of a shorter one because the concept we're touching on, it's, we're basically going to be spending our time here correcting disinformation, but there's not that much to say uh, about NATO, which has been kind of in vogue lately. Yeah, it's certainly been in vogue. And it's like we could do like a blow by blow of their history, but I don't think that that's necessary if you want to do that there there are other podcasts that are are offering that we're really kind of hitting on main mainly the idea that it is a an inherently like benevolent defensive organization which oh, yeah, is no, their of course whole job is just to thought. They, they have all those guns because they want to make sure that all the beleaguered people out there have someone looking out watching their back i mean which so is many why yeah they go find those beleaguered people and use those guns on them right exactly it's like um it's a, it's the same old like bullshit where people think they have like a. It's not even like it's not even quite the the civilizing mission of the white man, you know, the white man's burden kind of bullshit. Although that's a little bit of it, especially when we're talking about places like Libya, where they went in and you know sodomized Gaddafi, or you know uh, when they sent in people to Afghanistan to supposedly protect women's rights and defeat the Taliban, which just turned into a twenty-year-long boondoggle. Um, but yeah, it's like the idea that this is some kind of good thing that NATO has like a, a an inherently benevolent or inherently um, oftentimes people will say defensive, uh, you know, uh, purpose that it's it's unfortunately untrue. Yeah, yeah. Um... That misinformation is definitely permeated deep, especially in this Russia-Ukraine time where mm-hmm. the word NATO seems to get tossed around by the news every day, with never yeah. with any negative connotation, obviously. Oh, certainly not. Um, but yeah, the reality is what NATO's core core value is, is propagating capitalism. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are the capitalism police. They are the capitalism police. I believe it was said by the very first um, NATO uh, director. He was a British guy that no, or I think he was. Let me make sure. But he said that the purpose of NATO was keep to keep the Russians out, keep the Germans down, and keep the Americans in. And depending on you know what thing that they're they're up to, um, yeah, those those kinds of priorities may shift as opposed to you know who what what's the most important part is it is it 1949 and we really just want to make sure that uh france and italy and all of them are like safe from the encroachment of a you know the devastated germany but like want to keep it down uh, is it is it uh in the 50s and we're like really intent on keeping the soviet and communist bloc back and out of western europe or is it seemingly always uh keeping america involved and entangled and based wherever it needs to be which in that case would be places like liverpool or places like uh you know ports in the netherlands or in fucking italy where we have like military bases constantly gotta make sure the american gotta make sure the american murderers have a house no matter where they go Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's we are an America focused podcast. We've never made any attempt to disguise that. And uh yeah, it's definitely fair to say that America and NATO's relationship is definitely like the strongest, most devout one, because we are the military country and NATO is a militaristic uh organization, despite yeah. all claims to the contrary. Right. Um 
you could say that so it's it's supposed that um you know it is i guess we'll explain what nato stands for it's north atlantic treaty organization so it's not a you know it's not a it's not a un type thing although you would be ratifying to get a, a treaty to get into the un i suppose but it, it, it is a military alliance, and that is yeah, what it is specifically for. They exist to they, – I mean really what the, what the treaty part of it comes into is they exist to force people into the treaties they want when they want them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, oh, well, we, we, uh, we think you should think this now, so now you do or you get killed. Well, it's interesting because um, – so they – these treaties, these treaties were specifically to, I suppose, you know, it, it was a hardening in the Cold War. That that was kind of the the deal because right after the um, end of World War II, uh, you know, we have essentially a world that has been carved up uh, mostly for the benefit of America and to some extent her allies, um, although not one – specific ally they didn't want them to have any kind of uh benefits um and so the soviet union obviously had taken much of eastern europe into its fold and created uh, socialist republics out in eastern europe and there was a real fear by americans um all of nato's supreme uh commanders supreme allied commanders in europe have been american and i think that tells you what the deal yeah. is um i mean and america i mean as we know america is so good at so many things like war and mm-hmm. um um making bombs we do a lot I, of that I, I think that might fall into the war category oh, Shit. Um, uh, uh, america what is we what are we good we, at we don't make cars um, at least not good no, ones we're, um, no, um uh, yeah okay well i mean you can see where we the, you corn. can see where we, got we make the, corn there is corn that we war. make we make <laughs> corn and war but we burn half our corn to make sure there's still a scarcity so yeah of course I mean, the reason we can make corn so well is because we literally stole it from the people who lived here yeah. and then said, this is ours now. Yeah, and then we GMO'd it up. Not the GMOs are inherently bad, but uh, the way that they yeah, do I mean, it. I'm okay, with, I'm okay with, I'm okay, honestly, if we could find a way to make food out of, like, just random cell structures in a way that wasn't, like, harmful to the environment or the mm-hmm. food that we're making, then yes, I'm all about genetic engineering. I'll but. go into it a little bit in uh, our Left in the Past episode coming up, but there's like an interesting history of like uh, where part of America's empire kind of reached out to grab these things. You know, you remember the what was the what was the Jim Carrey? Um, fuck. Uh, da, 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 how am I forgetting the pet detective name? Ace Ventura, oh, a- a- pet a- detective. Yeah. You remember Guano? You remember the bat yeah, shit? Bat, yeah, yeah, bat shit. Yeah. Uh, basically, there are a bunch of islands. It's not just bat shit. It's basically. Um, bird shit as well but bat shit yeah guano um, is any uh, flying creature flying creature pooping. taking a poo on an island and generally they will pile these giant things up and then they'll petrify in the sun and you could use that as a really powerful um i think in the movie they make it like an aphrodisiac or some shit but it's not it's it's for no, growing it's, crops. It's fertilizer and uh we we ended up eventually having to that was like the initial um uh, push for American empire was to grab these guano empi- these guano islands up so that they could make I don't know better potatoes. Yeah, I mean 
if they weren't doing it via evil militaristic means, that'd be great. But unfortunately, yeah. mm-hmm. we, we always are. We- That's kind of always what's happening, um, which brings us back to NATO where we uh, – you know, it, we have in, the, the lion's share of the of the uh, power, <laughs> the deciding power for sure. Yeah. Oh God, it's it, I I contend, and I think that not without any. I think that I'm not alone in this. Is I think that so I'm reading this book still. I'm in the final fucking chapter. I've finally been able to read a goddamn to sit down and not work for a moment uh, and read some, and it's called uh, How to Hide an Empire, and the Author Daniel Immerwar describes America's empire as a pointillist uh, empire. And, you know, if you're an art student, if you're a nerd, you'll know that pointillist is like, was it Monet? He was an impressionist. Yeah, but the guy who did the. Yeah, exactly. Small dots to make a bigger picture of. Exactly. And so the empire is an empire of small dots across the map. And NATO, I believe, is just another part of that network of small dots of American empire. It it exists so that the Americas, the Americans can be in Europe. And so they can also station, say, in Turkey, uh, Saturn or Jupiter missiles. They can station in or do a fucking uh, (laughs) exercises on Russia's border in Latvia. They can do all, well, I guess Latvia, Estonia, the, the other northern ones that actually touch Russia now. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it, we got to make, sure we, have, a, we gotta make sure we have places to always do sh- same day shipping for war. <laughs> that's that's actually a really good way of describing it. Yeah, no, it's um that's exactly what it is. It's it's a, an extension of American empire, and at least in my estimation, and yeah. uh, but uh, we kind of let's go into some. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, I was gonna move on. Go on. Oh, okay. Let's go into some of like the specific goals that NATO claims to have. Keeping Russia out. Obviously, that was very important for the capitalist agenda when Russia was communist. Mm-hmm. Why do we still do it? Uh, I guess to continue selling guns. It and seems- also, there is still the propaganda. I mean, I still know a lot of people who think Russia is presently communist. So. Yeah, they're idiots. Yeah, so I guess it's also, also a propaganda component. Right. It continues. Uh, I think that, you know, it... There's a big question. There's a big, big question mark as to what what does it matter? What does it why 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 should the military industrial complex continue now that the Cold War is over? Because NATO NATO didn't do any big overt aggressive, uh, you know, I should say conventionally aggressive uh operations during the Cold War. Um, they, and were, they, they were more about, like, they were, they, as I understand it, they were more about, like, inciting other people to do the aggressive stuff. Exactly. There was a lot more of internal management of uh, the NATO allies. And it, it through, but, you know, as the end of the Cold War happens, people are looking around like, what the fuck are we going to do? Why, why are we still spending at that time like $300 billion a year, which is nothing, pennies now, uh, on – uh, on our military budget, our discretionary military budget, and yeah, we've more than doubled it since then. And yeah. I mean, I get inflation has happened, but not as much as our not military as as budget inflated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's like we in the nineties they saw they saw an end. They saw fucking Saddam Hussein shows up and invades Kuwait. Which, admittedly, I'm looking at Kuwait and I'm like, why does Kuwait exist? Like, Kuwait, if you were drawing weird lines in in the Middle East anyway. Like, why give 
Iraq, like two centimeters of fucking coastline. I don't get it. But, uh, you know, they invade Kuwait, Saddam, and uh, basically the NATO is is like, oh, shit, we have a purpose now. We can do Desert Storm. Yeah. So, I mean, they're always looking for some way to find a new war to start, basically, but they Mm -hmm. need to not be the initiators, the instigators. They need to be... People well, who jump on the bandwagon sure. when the war is very clearly prevalent, uh, a clearly prevalent option. So one Maybe. guy does something small, some small hostile action, and they're like, "Great, we can escalate." Yeah, it's like the uh, fucking they did the that shit in during the Bosnian War after you know they had undermined for so long the the Soviet or not Soviet the Socialist Republics of Yugoslavia. Um, and then they escalate. They put a no-fly zone, start shooting down planes, and uh, have to invade. I mean, they, that's what they end up doing again in Kosovo. Um, they do it again in Afghanistan. Uh, although I should say that the Afghanistan one, obviously, not uh, it was not a um, there was no conventional aggression against nato nations there was one that is uh, of course 9-11 but you could be like why not attack saudi arabia 15 of the 19 hijackers were saudi so whatever well Um, i mean i guess that at that point then we should count our blessings that we haven't escalated with russia and ukraine yet oh yeah no because the thing that you can see these lines being drawn because nato it will go into libya it will sodomize your semi-socialist leader uh and leave you riven with poverty and slave markets without any provocation but if you look north if you look towards a european conflict they will you mean a white conflict exactly uh you will (laughs) um they'll take some restraints because a back seat that's the th- that's the question uh, that they that's the thing they always run into is like or that it seems to run into is that there's this idea of propriety that that you know within the core of the North Atlantic within the American dominated and capitalist dominated uh white sphere of the world we don't we don't extend the same kind of violence that we do whenever we, you know, whenever after uh, a 1990, what was it, 1998 or seven bombing of the Tanzania and Kenya uh, embassies, United States embassies, Osama bin Laden bombed these embassies. And then we just, without any thought, blow up supposedly a pharmaceutical uh, factory in Sudan that was building a that was supposedly building chemical weapons for Osama bin Laden proved to be false, but that took away about half of the uh, anti-malarials and other medicine that other pe- that people in one of the world's most impoverished countries like yeah, had. We, had to, we had to make sure that they didn't have these totally legit weapons because I mean we've never fallen for Middle Eastern <laughs> Middle Eastern countries supposedly having weapons that they don't actually have. Oh no, we uh, as, we Saddam as a country, still we, we, has the weapons that we gave them. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> the Adventures of Zorzan and Aglab, Episode Six: The Trouble with Treaties. Hey, Aglab. 
I know you've been hoping for a better example of unity on Earth since our disappointing evaluation of their United Nations. Well, I've got a surprise for you. There's apparently another collaborative effort called the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. The Earth people condense it to NATO. That sounds wonderful, friend Zorzan. I am exuberant for the prospect of global unity for Earth. Now, fair warning, I haven't scoped this NATO thing out yet. Still, there's no way it can be as bad as the other Earth organizations we've seen. I do know that, in addition to America, it encompasses several other nations. Surely there's bound to be a wide scope of humanity in an organization like that. Well, let us take a closer look. I have pulled up an overlay map of all of the nations involved in NATO. I must say it is disappointingly condensed. It seems exclusively contained to North America and Europe. Remember, Aglab, we found out it's pronounced Europe. Still, you're not wrong. Nearly every nation involved is predominantly inhabited and exclusively managed by light-skinned humans. That is certainly disappointing, but any cooperation among their species is promising. Surely an organization with treaty in the name is focused on brokering peace. I am now pulling up the collective summary our computer has compiled. Naturally, they are, in fact, focused on uniting military forces. I must remember to prepare myself for disappointment more readily when examining Earth. Well, look on the bright side, Aglob. You used sarcasm effectively. Still, it definitely isn't great that NATO seems to have been created with the purpose of making sure they could point enough weapons at anyone who goes against their goals. I am glad to hear my use of sarcasm has gotten better. But it is a hollow victory at the moment. Perhaps there is still hope. While violence is, in my opinion, never a viable option, it is possible they use their might to help the oppressed exclusively. I hate to break it to you, but I'm looking over individual operation files. It actually seems they are more often focused on maintaining the power that humans have associated with Moni. I know we have studied it a bit, but I must be honest, I still do not understand this money concept entirely. By my estimation, it is a convoluted method for maintaining control over a population while making them believe there is no alternative. Would you say that is a fair assessment? Yeah, I think there's a bit more to it, but that's not far off. Sadly, the core purpose of NATO seems to be interjecting with the military of several nations at once whenever they think they need to reinforce the power of Moni. <laughs> Countries are frequently assaulted on the basis of not trading the way NATO wants, or often because a country is attempting to advance beyond the need for Moni, at least in its current form. They refer to their collective as a partnership for peace. That seems extremely disingenuous. The organization is heavily shrouded in disinformation and propaganda. More often than not, they kill innocent civilians in the nations they wish to control under the guise that they are aiding them in democracy. Correct me if I am wrong, but insisting upon a course of action under threat of excessive force does not seem like democratic action. Sadly, it gets worse when you look at some of the individual actions NATO has taken. Do you remember our examination of the CIA? Ah, yes, that agency was truly awful. Did they engage in some manner of conflict with NATO? On the contrary, they worked together several times. And the one that caught my eye is Operation Gladio. 
During a span of history known as the Cold War, there was a lot of fear around a political practice known as communism. Interestingly enough, the theory behind this practice is fairly similar to the system Erko operates on. Anyway, due to the propaganda that led to an anti-communist sentiment, there were a lot of individuals committing terrorist acts against politicians and groups who were attempting to implement policies focused on helping all humans. Might I infer that NATO had some hand in this horrendous and counterintuitive behavior? Indeed, a fairly heavy hand. The reason these terrorist attacks and illogical sentiments were so prevalent is because undercover NATO operations were implemented to ensure that the public was misinformed and filled with fear. In a time where this communism was beginning to get some genuine traction due to the failings of capitalism, NATO ensured that anyone who propagated these humanitarian ideas nearly anywhere across Europe had the fear of death placed in them. How absolutely appalling! have looked over several other NATO operations, and they appear to be a truly brutish force. I am even more unsettled by them, as they seem to have an alarming amount of success with their operations. Truly, they are masters of suppressing the masses, to an extent that many revere them as champions of what is right. Honestly, this was even more disappointing than learning about the United Nations. I will gladly take useless incompetence over active maliciousness. I'm sorry, Aglob. I know you don't like finding out how messed up these humans are. If it helps, I think most humans are brainwashed into embracing these evils. Perhaps if they can break out of their conditioning, organizations like this one won't be able to hold power in the future. You are right, friend Zorzon. I will continue to hold out hope. After all, I have seen humans commit a great many atrocities in our earlier visits, and their species still persists against all odds. I suppose this trip was not a total waste. I managed to successfully implement sarcasm. That's the spirit. Next thing you know, you'll even be using contractions. Tune in next week for more Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob! But anyways, yeah, talking about uh, generally racist approaches they have, this is a good transition to the uh, second purpose you brought up for them which is keeping germany down mm-hmm. how did we do with that kyle i mean uh, at least <laughs> I mean, admittedly admittedly germany is no longer openly nazi like it was you know back in world war ii yeah, times sure. openly being the operative <laughs> word yeah so but, like obviously right after world war ii there's i i think that in america Obviously, the one thing that we all know that anybody seems to know about history, although I would say in a very stupid way because nobody in America really knows much about history, is like oh, World War II stuff. We know exactly like a few things. We know the words like Battle of the Bulge. We know what that kind of is. We, we know, know V-Day. Yeah, we know V-E Day. We know uh, fucking uh, Omaha Beach, that kind of shit. You don't really know the movements. You don't necessarily need to, but you. And if there's uh, one name you can always reliably say, it's Hitler. Yeah, you can always catch somebody on saying Hitler. Uh, they know what the mustache looks like. Uh, and I think in America, we oftentimes 
don't realize exactly how devastating it was and exactly how pervasive fascism had become throughout the 30s and into the war. Uh, all across Eastern Europe, very, very significantly, uh, Greece, uh, Italy, obviously, France, um, you, the Netherlands, Benelux, um, you have a, a, a considerable uh, fascist and collaborationist, uh, you know, a group of people. There's a shitload of collaborationists. There's a shitload of uh, fascists. We tend to focus on the people who like, oh, the Germans didn't know or, oh, uh, you know, they were just following orders or, oh, um, you know, the, these were resistance blocks. And it's good to focus yeah. on the resistance blocks because those are good stories and those are the good people. I mean, if you're going to play a good guy, bad guy line. Um, but oftentimes we were supporting, um, not the resistance blocks, not the resistance blocks, because a lot of those resistance blocks were, you know, you remember that famous, uh, poem or whatever. It's like, first they came, first for, they this, came for the, the communists yeah. and the, yeah, the very first thing on there is first they came for the communists and the fucking, uh, fascists were after the communists. So the communists immediately very strong block against, uh, the fascists. And yeah. we didn't like that because we don't like fucking communists. So we would support these guys. There's no profit near in the end of the war. <laughs> um, near the end of the war, we would support these groups, especially in, say, Greece, especially in places like Bulgaria and places like Italy, um, to attack uh, these partisans that were trying to set up in Italy like a republic instead of the king that we reinstalled uh, you know, elsewhere trying to set up a communist block or at least a socialist or semi-social democratic block. We were quashing them. And but, I mean, to be fair, if we, ha if we hadn't quashed the communists, do you really think that we would have two separate people worth a quarter of a trillion dollars now? Checkmate. <laughs> you got me there, man. Um, <laughs> half a trillion half a trillion dollars all, in two uh, people. Yeah, in like 400 pounds of idiot. Um, but <laughs> anyway. the, uh, yeah, essentially we've done these things to d undermine the partisans, undermine the left-leaning blocks of, uh, of anti-fascist and anti-Nazi um, fighters. And we did the same thing in Germany. You know, whereas in the East, after the Soviets took over, or at least, you know, started setting up what would eventually become like the Warsaw Pact of different socialist republics, there was denazification. There was, in the same way that we would say, yeah, denazification in like Iraq or Syria, it, we, they actually did it, though, is denazification. They kicked them yeah, out of the government, I mean, kicked them out NATO of the party. is theoretically anti-Nazi, but I'm sure that means we have no Nazi-type <laughs> no Nazi organizations or anything like that. If, uh, involved in NATO, why would they? Because they're you know they're they're the the coalition of the uh, of the Allies essentially. Except that when they started in 1949, uh, they had the formerly fascist government of Italy immediately join, and it only took about five years until the still run by many Nazis uh, government of West Germany joined nato as well and so we had this keep germany down thing and it it continues i believe because 
part of that is, you know, they want to use the economic engine of Germany, which had in almost all of the modern history of of Europe been kind of the the epicenter of industrial growth of Europe. Um, they want to keep that economic engine, but they can't let them have they can't let them have the military power that they had been trying to get because there's this there's this question of like when when those military powers when those same capitalist dominant uh forces are at work in germany which is late to the imperialist party and can't export all of its exploitation that has to look look elsewhere and so they'll look at the slavs or the roma people and start attacking places for lebensraum which is the same thing as manifest destiny except that we were they were doing it to other white people and not to native americans so what we do is we keep them down by integrating them economically into a post-war you know economic community and then dominate them militarily with things like nato Okay. Well, it sounds like NATO definitely has some uh, some bad apples, to put it, in in, in, uh, in their organization's uh, ranks. But surely some parts of NATO have to be in favor of not white people. There <laughs> must be – I mean it's a big organization. Surely at least one of the countries involved isn't white run. I mean you could say that uh, – I mean some people would still say that Italians aren't white. So I guess you could go with that. They're, they're, they're whitish European. They're olive skin. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, no, it's all yeah, white it's people. It's all, it yeah, is a racist it's, organization. It's, we bring in the Turkish, but that's essentially because we want to use them as a, uh, base again for missiles. And that's what it is. It's a pointillist empire of America. It's, it's, it's again, you know, the keeping Germany down seems to be a much less important part because they are starting to have to spend more on, on on NATO involvement and on military spending because we've been bankrolling this whole thing. You know, when people talk about when Trump was like, oh, we're spending way too much on NATO. He's not he's not, he's not wrong. wrong. I mean, Trump like he's said, wrong for a lot of reasons, you, but he's not when, wrong. When you talk the, nonstop for four years, you're going to say something right. <laughs> right. Broken <laughs> clocks and all. Uh, but he's he's not necessarily wrong that, you know, there is a uh, we spend a lot of fucking money on NATO. And we do that so that we can prop up our our you know, in America we made this bargain with the working class and with the middle class so that they would join in and that they would stop striking and that they would accept that now things are great because you have a you have a single family home in the suburbs, you have a car, you have a second car for your wife to drive who doesn't have to work, you know, you have a job that pays you a decent wage for a family man. Um, that's yeah, disappeared, no, the boomer, of course. The, the boomer career generation was great for propaganda. Yeah, it, it's that's disappeared, of course. But now, like the that propaganda same, stays. Yeah, stays around because all those assholes are still in charge. Um, but like uh, in in Germ in in Germany in all of Europe that is a part of like the Western Allies, the the bargain ended up being that they didn't have to. Firstly you know you are bargaining away your your autonomy you're bargaining away your ability to kind of control your your foreign policy for sure but most policy in general if you get if you get rid of all of your your monopoly on violence and sacrifice that to a nato or to a 
United States, which is essentially what they were doing by being bankrolled and being entirely run by the supreme allied commander in Europe, who is almost all, who has always been an American. Um, that's a bargain that they get to have their social democracies on top of it, though. It's managed and supported by American empire and by American fascism exploited abroad because that's what we did. We just took fascism and kind of like tamed it to our meat to our ends. Uh, and on the backs of that fascism, on the backs of the exploited, exploited people across the world, uh, um, European social democracy thrives, you know? Yeah, and that's and that's the sad reality. NATO is a perfect example of like uh, distracting people with like the oh look at look at Finland, look at what we could be if we were like you know Sweden or whatever, like one of those. It's like no, not Sweden, uh, Switzerland. No, I was right the first time. Never mind. No, you were right. Swi- uh, Sweden's yep. the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, also Switzerland's, Switzerland's yeah. also trash, but yeah. But yeah, like no, like look at these look at these northern look at these northern European countries that uh, that little. Uh, What's that block called? I always forget. Uh, those three, those three countries: Norway, the oh, the, the Scandinavians, Norway, Scandinavia. Look at Scandinavia. Look how happy they are. We can all have this because that's totally how the world works without mm-hmm. worrying about exploiting anybody along the way. Yeah, and, it's, uh, it, it, it's and we can it's still funny. have rich people. See, we can see. Look, we could have rich people if we all just acted like them, mm-hmm. and there would be nobody exploited in third world countries. Promise. Uh, anyway, yeah. it's a. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an impressive racist institution um, that leads to lots of propaganda. But you had a third thing that was one of their original goals. So we've talked about keeping Germany down. We know that it's about keeping America in. Mm, and well, and Russia out. Yeah, okay. We just, so we did cover. I kind of want to speak, though, a little bit more about that because keeping Russia out, um, keeping the Soviets out, seems to never have been a legitimate goal. Because the the goal, if if in 1949 the Soviets were like fuck this and they run out of Poland and invade Germany, they're losing it. The NATO is not going to keep that. The only thing that America knew, the only thing that they could do, was nukes. Uh, there was no reason. To expect that the NATO ground forces, which were there, and the uh, occupation forces in Germany, which were there, as well as elsewhere along the formerly occupied Nazi places, um, there was no reason to believe that they would do enough because they wouldn't. the The Russian army was well trained, was top, you know, at that point after the, at the end of the war, top of the line, doing incredibly, uh, you know, they're they're motivated as opposed to. You know, at the end of the war, like I mentioned in our, our left in the past a while back, um, at the end of the war, everybody in the Allies was like, fuck this. Let's go home. In in Soviet Russia, there were things to fight for. There was a world revolution that some people still believed in. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for them. But, uh, you know, it's. It wasn't going to work. They were never going to be able to stop them militarily. So the entire point of keeping Russia out was more an excuse for the other two things to continue expanding now America's empire. But would you say that it's fair to say the reason we have such threat of like nuclear holocaust as an option is because of the uh, the fingers NATO plays in uh, keeping this puppet show going? Yeah, I mean like – I 
I'm going to get called out again. Whatever. Fuck it. Um, Putin's not wrong in this instance. He sees it correctly as an ag- aggressive force. Um, maybe maybe the time where NATO could have not been aggressive with Russia has passed. Maybe the 90s were their only option and they chose instead to become this hardened uh, military outpost that was going to expand even though they promised they would not to Gorbachev, who's yeah, fucking Yeah, we're not going to go any further east. Don't worry, guys. Oh, we, we went further east, but it was an accident. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. But then yeah, it's – yeah, it's entire – you can say, and correctly so, that Putin's doing some pretty bad shit. And yeah, you're right. But NATO yeah, I mean, is not is not wholly benevolent. One, one, war, one war criminal – one guy being a war criminal doesn't justify more war crimes. Right, right. It's like when we look at the history of NATO as opposed to the history of <laughs> – I mean, just Putin, if you want to do it. Let's say in the time that Putin's been around, what's NATO done as compared to Putin? Putin's done the Chechen wars, which we can't say is good. Very bad. He's done this Ukraine shit. Um, and, and I mean, to be fair, he's also exploited his people with capitalism, but that's because we set right. that up for but him. We set that up for him, right. And they still have a pe- pension as opposed to us. Um, but in that same time, what have we done? We've fucked up Afghanistan. We fucked up uh, – Libya, we've completely uh, just ruined communities along the Gulf of Aden and in the Horn of Africa. Like, this is what we do with we've NATO. We've socialist revolutions in a whole boatload of other countries, but that's more America right. specifically. Yeah, but that's anything, uh, specific, anything, but we're anything also America, just like an, they're an extension of us. Anything America's military does at this point, yeah, is kind of NATO adjacent because mm-hmm. we are, NATO is literally like our – like I said, they're our, they're our overnight shipping uh, company. <laughs> yep. Yep, they run the warehouses. Yep, they're uh, that's how it is, and I think that it's not necessarily. I th- it bothers the fuck out of me when people talk about NATO in the same way that they talk about kind of their their belief of like this global um, unity, this global kind of I don't know idealistic. You know that that meme picture of the future city. This is the the his future that NATO wants. Like that's not true because it exists specifically to keep to keep America in. And part of what we do about that is we leave these stay behind missions. We leave these actively violent against the people of our NATO allies groups, fascist groups. Very often. We leave them in our NATO allied countries so that we can justify uh, remaining and increasing our presence. Yeah. Oh, look, things are still really unsettled over there because we unsettled it. We better have more guys over there to cause more unsettling to make sure that the war goes on forever because war equals money for a few people. Red Scare Media presents If the Horuskis have won, part nine, global control. Reconfigure your normally pathetic, heavily numbed imagination to envision a dark dystopia where the barbaristic gummy mindset has seen success over beautiful capitalism in the Cold War. Had we been forced to live in this absolutely disgusting reality, America would not be the only nation suffering. The entire world would be subject to the whims of the aggressive, militant Soviet bastards. Take a look now and see just how foul this would be, according to our narrative. 
Can you believe how messed up the Warsaw Pact is? I was just searching history on the only global search engine, and I found out that in 1956, they crushed a Hungarian revolution where the people wanted an anarchist government where no one would have to work. Oh, man, that's awful. They definitely should have had the right to live in a place where they had things provided for them without worrying about putting anything back into the economy. Just one more reason I wish we had capitalism, where everyone is free to not work. Yeah, that would have been great. Anyway, Stalin's evil death squads killed 2,500 innocent civilians during this coup and shut down the will of the people, all in the name of making sure the world was industrialized enough to meet every individual's needs. (sighs) Clearly, anarchist leftism would have worked better if they'd just given it a chance. No doubt. I mean, what kind of evil organization would attack its own allied nations when they don't get in line with what they consider the greater good? Anarchy would clearly be better. Like, in an anarchist system, say you needed a pair of glasses that matched your prescription, some nice team of folks who were just, like, super passionate about making glasses would clearly come along and give you a pair. Oh, for sure. Instead, we've got the Warsaw Fun Police breathing down our necks and making sure all global nations have able-bodied people working a work week that's sometimes nearly 20 hours long when things get really dire. How is it our responsibility to make sure humanity thrives? This world is basically hell. I feel like we're not even allowed to voice criticisms like the ones we're voicing right now. We sure are dominated by an ever-present military control. Anyway, I'm going to go on one of my eight weeks of vacation that can be spared for everyone now that most things are automated. to go ahead and Google NATO with all the news buzz lately. Right off the bat, I felt way better. The first two results were selected pieces by Google about how great NATO is for everyone and how much it helps the uncivilized world have better conditions. That's awesome, but it it can't hurt to scroll down a bit, you know, to something with historic sources. Like, let's take a look here. Oh, man, so there have been a couple times where what they did isn't entirely the best. Oh, all right. Okay, so I'm seeing there's these violent stay-behind missions, the invasion of Libya, the 20-year war in Afghanistan, breakup of Yugoslavia, each of which killed tens of thousands of innocents. Okay, sure, but now you're just cherry-picking. I still feel a lot safer knowing that a bunch of soldiers fighting in the name of ensuring the eternal growth of capital are out there. They clearly have the best interests of us in mind. A couple of guys who had to go to the only public library for hundreds of miles to use the internet. You're absolutely right. Not only that, but they're all about freedom and democracy. I mean, right now, we're free to have this conversation gently criticizing them for some small mistakes that they've made in the past. Oh, shit. I'm out of time to criticize further, though. I'm about to be late for my 26th consecutive day of work. Thankfully, we live in a society where we're not totally obligated to work, but I was told that I'll lose my source of life-giving income if I miss a single shift. Oh, I mean, that's totally fair. Your boss has got to make his money, too. Anyway, NATO sure sounds like it secured us a great system where we have that kind of freedom, should you so desire, to die destitute on ever more hostile streets. 
we do have the luckiest unhoused people in the world, and we get to spread that kind of fortune to any country that is convenient to spread it to. Enough awkward conversation. I'm running late. Wow, that was much better. Did you see how openly both the internet and those fellows could point at the trivial minor issues that they had with their global hegemonic institution? I bet those first guys are already in gulags. And you can take my word on that. I'm very trustworthy. We sure would be in a hellish situation of oppression under that evil Warsaw Pact. I don't know about you, but I am extremely grateful for all NATO does to keep our planet moving in the right direction. God bless America. Ghastly. I mean, they're, they're big, obvious uh, examples. I mean, Operation Gladio uh, kind of had begun before the in, in creation of NATO it was through, like, the P2 Lodge and through CIA slash OSS involvement previous to that. Um, and I think it's interesting because I was re- listening uh, – to some people talk about the OSS in particular. Apparently, there were a lot of communists in the OSS during the actual war, and then near the end, Alan Dulles was like, "Get those fuckers out." Um, so they were helping the partisans in a lot of these instances, like in Yugoslavia and Greece and elsewhere in Italy. Um, but they were all pushed out, and eventually, uh, we got what we have today, which is things like Operation Gladio, where. You know, you have bombings in Bologna where you kill 80 people, you kill hundreds of people in these train bombings, and then you blame them, blame these attacks on communists, even though you've used NATO-funded or CIA-funded cutout groups uh, who are previously fascist or currently fascist uh, for, for death squads. But, you know, when the liberal media is going to sell your agenda hook, line, and sinker, you don't need to worry about someone double-checking on that because 99% of not just Americans but people in general won't. They hear their happy narrative of NATO is cool, and they're like, cool, then I don't need to worry about it anymore. Yeah, no, it's – people don't need to think about it. People don't need to ask any of these questions. Like I try – and I think I did pretty well. I spoke with my parents who are I think on – like most people – not horrible people, um, just for the you horribly know, misinformed. Horribly misinformed. That's correct. Um, and they were pretty receptive to hearing about how the actual history of NATO is. I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that because it's again um, when people yeah, you say in, NATO bad and they're near to shut off and yeah, they go la yeah. la la. You're just a Russian sympathizer. Uh, Putin you is love what, you want to suck Putin dick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like it, it, this belief that nato has some kind of beneficial inherently good thing it's an inherently good organization that it's collaborative in a global any global sense yeah as opposed to just being another extension of our empire is silly it's fake it's um we we do we use these we use this as it's a, it's a very useful tool. As a tool our, for our expansion, yeah. Yep. In our quest to ever dominate the world with more and more capital-generating sources, mm-hmm. none of which are actually going to the people generating that capital. 
And I think like it's hard to talk to people about these kinds of things, uh, especially because they take so much. If if you meet a person who is political and or calls themselves political and gets their news from NPR, like I did when I was in high or college, um, they they tend to align themselves ideologically and also personally. And their personal worth with these with knowledge of the main belief system, you know, the system that you are being told because you have this liberal, uh, generally liberal kind of, I don't know, value, value judgment that comes in on it. You want to support the correct narrative. You want to triangulate your beliefs into the right way. And people do this on the fucking left, too, and it's bonkers because you're never going to triangulate your way into a, the the perfect ideology you're always going to bear with you some trace of the world that you've always lived in which is always going to poison to some extent some of your ideas and the best thing you can do with that is not trying to make the perfect belief but to accept that you are not perfect and that you can learn from others but yeah, organization the organizations like NATO specifically just thrive on that whole. It's easier to picture the end of the world than an end to capitalism. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we can do about NATO. It's probably going to be around for as long as America continues to be the big bad empire, which we are failing, and hopefully we crumble fast enough to save the planet. But we'll see. Yeah, let's hope um, we crumble fast enough and not so fast as uh, as to see our our atoms be vaporized in front of our eyes, our boiling eyes. Yeah. Sensible Secret Service agent. President Eisenhower, I really appreciate you trusting me by your side in this meeting. I was partially briefed that this is some type of global unity project, but I don't know much more. Of course, there are few people I would trust by my side to take a bullet as much as you. I am immortal. Let me get you caught up before we go in there. I'm sure you're familiar with NATO, so I'll skip over the specifics there. Yeah, I know all about NATO. I still don't like having a heavily militarized collective giving orders to the planet, but there's not much I can do about that. On the bright side, from what you've said in the past, I get the impression that you're against the military-industrial complex. I certainly do seem to give off that impression. Perhaps I'll make a public speech against it someday. It sure would impress people regarding my foresight and basically give historians carte blanche to say I was a great anti-war president. <laughs> As for this meeting, it's in regards to the expansion of NATO. We'll be vetting an official to see if his country would be a welcome addition. Oh, um, honestly, uh, I'm already against this, but I appreciate your candor. What nation are we considering bringing in? Is it somewhere impoverished that could use a little extra muscle in the event of a heavily armed neighbor looking to expand? You certainly could say that. The region we're offering to arm and militarize is... Hello! I hope I am not late to the Nazi party. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I'll just be late to the party. Ah, not at all, Mr. Speedle. I hope you don't mind. I'll be letting my security stay with us. He's a bit talkative, but smart enough to know he can't actually sway any decision. Wait, I... I know who you are. Hans Speedle, you've been fighting on behalf of fascist causes for almost four decades. Ah, but you see, I am a good guy now. As World War II was approaching its end, and it became clear the Fuhrer, um, 
I mean, that terrible Hitler man was losing control, I turned court. I actually attempted to kill him and was arrested by the Gestapo after I failed. Thankfully, I was able to escape the Nazi prison camp and hide out for a couple of weeks while everything blew over. This is proof that I am reformed and definitely wasn't just seeing the writing on the wall and switching to the winning side of history. Sir, you can't be serious. Are you really going to let a Nazi with a 40-year military career aid in the arming of West Germany just because he says he's seen the light? Ha! See? This is exactly what I was talking about. I assure you, though, he's harmless. Anyway, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Speedle. You're a real hero. Now, you wanted to make the case that, with Hitler dead for over a decade, West Germany is rehabilitated and ready to be rearmed as a member of NATO. I've been tasked with hearing you out. Yes, you see, we've made some terrible mistakes in the past. Sorry. I can acknowledge I've played my part in them, but now we're just worried. Right across the wall from us, the communists in East Germany are plotting our destruction every day. Clearly, the only reason they have not acted is because they want us living in fear. Have you considered that the reason they're not attacking is because they're more concerned with building up their region's infrastructure so they can develop into a place where their government can meet the needs of all its people more effectively? If anything, you guys being unarmed decreases the likelihood of violence. Calm down now. I can see how you might think less weapons would lead to less violence, but it's a complicated issue. NATO is always looking to expand its influence, and West Germany is certainly a region that carries some weight. With all due respect, is global Nazi bad guy for half a century really the weight that we want to throw around? I see your man here is very skeptical. I'm sure you have your reasons for being fearful, but don't you think we've suffered enough? No one has suffered as much as West Germany. As I've said, we've been under extremely careful scrutiny for ten whole years. If you ask me, that seems like fair punishment for any evils we may or may not have committed. Incidentally, West Germany disavows any knowledge of an Adolf Hitler or any number of Reichs. Did you hear that? They don't even know any Nazis over there. Sounds like a pretty safe place to send some guns and money. Sir, you can't be serious. This guy has made references to his Nazi past during this meeting. I don't know what you're talking about. This whole meeting has been Nazi-free until you brought it up. Mr. President, I really think that you should consider trusting... Z I mean them. Dang it, that accent is really easy to slip into. Ah, your accent switch tells me all I need to know. If my trusted associate thinks your nation is reformed, I see no reason why we can't welcome you into NATO with open arms. Surely, providing your region with guns and money will bring more glorious capitalism, not just to Europe, but to the whole world. I'll draft up the paperwork. Oh, how delightful! You certainly won't see a spike in Nazi idealism under different names seeping into the organization. It's been a pleasure, Mr. President. I guess it's not like NATO wasn't already evil. Sensible Secret Service Agent. Yeah, I mean, we could we could go history point by point about the history of NATO, and I'm sure that at some point, if we do enough left in the past, we'll cover at least one of their operations. But I do want to talk about not right now, but in a left in the past, I want to talk about there were these massacres in Belgium where in the 80s, you know, this is after uh, Nixon's detente had failed 
or at least been undercut by the CIA and undercut by the kind of intelligence apparatus that got Ford and in there and then <laughs> fucked over um, Carter until they got they could get a more pliant person with uh, fucking uh, Reagan and Bush in well Bush who was basically running the show but um, during the 80s they wanted to base cruise missiles in places in Europe and there was a lot of pushback by you know the the Europeans there who were correctly thought of it as a target and one of the things that we did in a gladio type operation um was empower and fund these um fascist groups in belgium to go into grocery stores and just kill people and blamed it on uh soviet adjacent uh, groups and so people to be fair, that's how a lot of the times that's how i think our cia is handling a lot of these mass shootings we get here in america yo dude the fbi is 100 percent involved in more than half of those mass shootings it's been documented that they are so supposedly monitoring these people when really what they're trying to do is either get you know it's it's strategy of tension which is what they called Gladio, it's trying to build up these kind of terrifying internal networks of fear so that you can justify expanding police power and expanding military power. But it's also like if you do stop them, then you get a fucking raise. Yeah. And of course, and it, it also helps sell that narrative of, well, maybe no one except for the police should have guns. That'll make things better. Yeah. I mean, that's there are two versions of gun control like logic in this country, and both of them are very stupid. One where we just totally empower the police. We have them shoot homeless people off of the streets or another where we give four year olds guns to kill themselves live on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's we are the, the we are the worst country when it comes to guns, which is why we should clearly be in charge of the gun organization that <laughs> yep. runs yep. a third of, of the, the world. world. <laughs> um but yeah, I guess if you're trying to explain NATO to your layman relatives, whatever like that, I, you could really just dumb it down to they're an organization whose sole purpose is to make sure that capitalism thrives at the threat of gunpoint. Mm-hmm. We're here so. to uh, to blow your shit up if you if you want us out because we're staying. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll keep this one a little on the shorter side, uh, especially because Kyle and I are both exhausted. Yeah, Jesus. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and just uh, leave it there and jump into the news. To the news. And uh, if you don't count Russia and Ukraine, which is the ultimate obfuscation tactic, other than that, it's a bit of a slow news week. Um, so yeah, Russia and Ukraine is still happening. Go figure. Yeah. And that's all you'll hear on mainstream media. But we have one actual piece of good news. It looks very promising that we will have our first unionized Amazon warehouse soon. Didn't you hear? It was... Did it pass? All, did it, it was passed. The, vote? They, the voting passed. Yep. The Staten Island Amazon warehouse has voted to uh, establish a labor union. And uh, you can hear more about that at the uh, on Twitter, at least at Amazon Labor Union, ALU. Well, that is that is splendid. Hopefully, their conditions improve substantially, and once their conditions improve substantially, other Amazon warehouses will follow suit. Yeah, I think that we can probably bet on this kind of thing expanding, especially if if people kind of. Firstly, I, it. it it's getting like reasonably covered on 
Twitter, people are engaging a little bit with it, but that doesn't really do a whole lot. It's kind of if we see this transcend online news organizations and more you know, people who you yeah. know, get their news strictly from TV. Right, which is still, I think, most people or at least, you know, a lot of Certainly lot most of people. people over 50, which yeah, is sure. a fair number of Amazon warehouse workers. And I, it looks like the the vote ended up being something in the um, – it looks like the vote ended up out of like 3,600 people some. Over 2,000 voted in favor of setting up the union, so it looks like a fairly convincing I win. Like, I thought there was like 8,000 potential voters and oh, like – 5,000 and some of them voted, and that's why I thought the voting wasn't done yet. But yeah, so it I, looks I do like... think they won by if, – if, if they won and it wasn't just winning, then – I thought that they were in the lead, but if that was the final tally, then yeah, they won by about 500 votes. So Yeah, fair chunk. Yeah, decent – that's a good solid majority. That's uh, well over the 55% marker. So yeah, I mean let I, I would like to see that union do the good things for them. Um I, I know firsthand there can be corrupt unions, but hopefully this isn't one of them. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep we will keep our fingers on the pulse of this one, and we'll keep you all updated on how that warehouse is doing. I think. Sorry, one second. Looking up You're just good. to make sure those numbers are correct, and it looks like they are. But yeah, I I think that's great. Obviously, we see. Um, we see people unionizing across the country, at least in some ways. We have people like uh, – or people at um, – what you call it? Um, Starbucks. Starbucks are expanding across the nation, it seems. Like that's going to be pretty impressive if they can co- connect with each other more. Uh, we're going to see people connecting, I hope, with Amazon Labor Union. Um, but we'll see, and I, I, I think this is something to take heart with. Yeah, we uh, we we need any good news we can get nowadays, especially considering the only other news you're going to hear is, oh, my God, Putin is killing a thousand innocent babies every day. Right. It sounds very much like the Kuwait shit where it's like, oh, no, they pulled the children out of incubators and threw them on the floor, like um, which proved to be very false. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again. We, guy, I don't know whatever. why. We, I don't know Jesus. why we should have to defend this, but we are not in favor of Putin. Apparently, yeah. we need to spell that out Every in this day and age. Time, man, I'm not. It, the, it still rattles me that I was compared to a rape, a, a rapist apologist saying that Ukraine deserved to be inv- uh, invaded. It really bothers the shit out of me because it's obviously not. I'm saying yeah. that NATO has forced the hand of a person that they have told me for so long was unstable and evil. And they're trying to prove it by making it so that he would invade. And no, I I don't think they deserve it. That would be awful. I would hate to be that. As is always the case with uh, white Western imperialist powers, we're always the victim. We are uh, always the victim. Yeah. And the really funny thing is Ukraine has even said now they're not interested in joining NATO. No. But at this point, I mean, at this point, Russia, the whole war is just a – Putin doesn't want to look like a derp in front of his uh, constituents. Right. He's got to make sure that he's in a solid enough position where maybe he can get some of these sanctions loosened. Maybe he can rejoin some of the Western uh, you know, economic markets. Um, it, 
I don't think that's really going to be much of an option. He's probably going to have to look east. He's probably going to have to tighten. Uh, Which may- maybe he'll look into China and China will be like, okay, but you have to go back to being communist. <laughs> I would love that. I don't think that com- – <laughs> unfortunately, no, uh, President China's Xi is communism. not yeah. quite so um, – He is not as communist as well, they, our media yeah, would have you have gangism, but I'm also just thinking like it seems like if you if you look at how they're doing in like Africa where – it's like they're giving them all of this economic uh, help, but not having the kind of same strings attached to it as like the IMF does, where they demand like political restructuring. I kind of wish they would. <laughs> it, not in Africa, but if you did it in Russia, where it's like, yeah, no, you have to be communist again if you want to join our economic union. That would be cool. Um, yeah. I don't, happen, I don't think they should do that to places like Kenya. I think that's like a slow burn, like invite people in, see that communism can do good things and that it doesn't have to be imperialist whenever people send money abroad. But then, of course, you have a bunch of fucking new school idiots saying, oh, but debt trap diplomacy. And it's like, buddy, have you have you heard a sing? Have you heard about this thing called the IMF? Um and I would like you to take a glance at the, comparing these two types of loans, what the Chinese give and what the IMF, World Bank, and America gives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not – yeah, like I said, it's not a practical reality. But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably do about that much coverage on this war for the foreseeable episodes, by which we mean we'll literally just say, yep, it's still going. It's still happening. And then we'll make some catty comments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not really news anymore, if you ask us, because there's always war. War there's is constant, war. 24-7, nonstop. Um, and the fact that it's white on white this time doesn't suddenly make it different. Um, but yeah, uh, at least, like I said, unions, good news. And if anything, unions are uh, – unions expanding is one of the things that we can actually more practically impact. So you know, uh, support your local – support local unionization efforts. Do whatever you can there. And uh, as is the key goal of any actually functioning as intended union, make sure that you send as much love and solidarity as you can to those people. Love and solidarity, y'all. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk. So I am told.